0: Today I want to continue in our series on Mark. We've got three weeks left in Mark. Uh, We're going to finish up in Mark uh, on Easter and uh, with the Easter story in uh, Mark 16, verse 1 through 8. And we've been talking all the way through Mark about the story of Jesus. and, And Mark tells us what we need to know about Jesus. He tells us these certain facts about him and he introduces Jesus little by little He introduces them as a Savior. He introduces them as our Redeemer. He introduces them as the Lord and and the Messiah. And today, he's going to introduce us to Jesus as the King. And it's going to be an interesting way that he's going to introduce it, but that's the way he's going to introduce us to him today, is that aspect of who Jesus is. See, Jesus had just finished his examination. Last week, we talked about his examination before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was basically a mockery, what they did. They tried to make up things. They tried false testimony. They brought in multiple people. And they couldn't nail anything on him. And finally, what does Jesus do? They couldn't nail him for anything. And so Jesus says, I'll give you the ammo that you need. They ask him straight up, are you this person? He goes, I am. I am Jesus. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I am the one that you're looking for. And I will be lifted up with the Father on the right hand. And they tear their robes and say, blast blasphemy, blasphemy. They couldn't prove it to them. Jesus says, if you ask me, I'll tell you who I am. And they ask him, and they, he said it. So he tells us who, is, who Jesus is. What he, he gives them that information. And now the Sanhedrin, though, they need something to kill him. They're not looking just merely to say that he's a false prophet. They're not really looking at it and saying, well, we just don't like him. They want to kill him. The hatred that they have for him, is so great that they're not interested in disproving. Their only thing they're going to be satisfied with is killing him. And not just killing him, we're going to find out killing him in the worst possible way that they can kill him. This is the kind of anger that comes for somebody that came with an attitude of love, with an attitude of respect, with an attitude of I'm here to help people, and they want to kill him because they don't want to have their place taken. The Jewish leaders like their place. They like everybody bowing down to them. They like everybody being there. They don't want somebody rocking their world. And so, uh, here they they come. Jesus, now, they need something to give to the Roman government. So they're going to make up a new charge to give to the Roman government because they want the Roman government to kill them because in the system right here, the Jews do not have the ability to kill somebody. They have to make something up. And so today what we're going to see is they're going to make up this thing that's actually going to be a partial truth to try to get Jesus killed, and it will end up getting Jesus killed. But as Mark is going to tell us, this is the new title that he's introducing, that is, Jesus is king. In fact, if you look at Mark 15, today we're going to be in Mark 15, 1 through 20, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. And you'll see throughout the book of Mark and the rest of Mark, his title for Jesus is going to be king. Mark 15.2 is going to say, are you the king of the Jews? Mark 15.9 says, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? And Pilate's, and Mark 15.12, this man you call the king of the Jews. Mark 15.18, hail king of the Jews. 15.26, the king of the Jews. And Mark 15.32, the king of Israel. Now you say, well, some of these are mockeries. Well, do you realize that the first time that Christians were called Christians was a mockery? That it was was intended to mock us? Oh, you're those Christians. Okay, now we call ourselves Christians. And what's interesting, they mock him. Remember they mocked him before and said prophesy to us? What's interesting about mockery is he actually had already prophesied to them. He'd already told them the truth and they're mocking him. Now they're mocking him saying, you're the king. In reality, he is the king. Their mockery... And we're going to see how Jesus' response to this is partially true. Yes, I am the king. Not the king that you think I am, but the king that you actually need. The king that, you, that, that came for you that's going to rule and reign in the right way. So let's look at some of the aspects that Mark shows us about who Jesus is. First of all, he tells us that Jesus is the obedient king. So Mark 15, one says, As soon as it was morning, the chief priest held a consultation... With the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. So, one thing we have to understand what is going on through this whole thing. Mark writes in such a way that the whole crucifixion scene, the whole passion as it's called, is going to be laid out in three hour incre- increments. This is all orchestrated by God. And Jesus is following the example of his father. He is doing exactly what God wants him to do. And nobody, everybody here thinks that they're running life. Jesus is completely in charge. And his father is completely in charge. And he is following along. So if you study Mark, he'll say immediately. And then he'll say three hours later, three hours later, three hours later. It's like he's on a time clock because it's showing God is a God of order. And so... They've got the full council now, and they're trying to come up with an idea. The Sanhedrin here, it says in verse 1, they're coming up with an idea, how can we nail Jesus? How can we get him? How can we get him nailed to a cross? Because all we've got is a religious thing. And so they're going to bring a charge before Pilate. And they led him away, and they delivered him to Pilate. And if you're a first century reader, if you're one of the people that Mark wrote this to originally, you're going to say, ooh, Pilate, yeah, we know him. Now, we all say, we don't know who he is. But see, Pilate had been ruling in this area for four years. He was appointed by Rome, and basically, it sounds like he didn't really like where he was. He didn't like Jewish people, and he's over Jewish people. Um, He's had rebellions take place, and usually when a rebellion takes place, he comes down on it hard. He has killed people before. Um, He probably did not like Jerusalem because he had problems there. Here he is stuck in Jerusalem because he knows that this is, it's Passover time. Everybody's in Jerusalem right now. I need to, he says, I need to be in Jerusalem. I don't want to be here. And he says, all these people do is cause problems. All these people do, and he comes down on them hard. And there's already been some incidents. Luke records this incident in Luke chapter 13, verse 1. It says, there were some present at that time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So everybody, when they heard he's going before Pilate, if you're reading the story for the first time, it would be like, not Pilate, not him, not him. He likes to, I mean, he's mingling blood with sacrifices. That kind of lets you know, this is not a nice guy. This is not a guy you want as your neighbor, okay? This is a guy that likes to kill people. When he's confronted with something, he says, I'm a Roman, I have the power to kill people, I'm going to use that. That's who I am. And so, Uh, philo is going to describe Pilate as naturally inflexible a blend of self-will and relentlessness and he's basically a person who did not understand jewish desires he didn't understand it all he said was i'm going to try to put down these people and crush these people so Pilate is going to question jesus and he's going to say are you the king of the jews now where did he get this term in the whole sanhedrin thing before this Jesus never said the word king. He never used this term before. This is a brand new thing. You can tell that the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders of the Jews had come up with this term. They're saying, we came up with this. If we use the word king, that's a, that's a title. He's going to be one of those guys that's trying to rise up against the Roman Empire and we can get him killed. So we're going to tell Pilate that this guy says he's the king. You notice Jesus never said that. Jesus never used the term king. So you think, what would your reaction be if somebody called you something that you have never said about yourself? Nuh-uh. That's no, probably not the exact answer that Jesus would have gone with. But I'm not. Never said that. You can't find a quote. Google it. I mean, I, I probably couldn't Google it at this time. But, you know, basically he doesn't have that ability. But he says, how does he respond to that? And he answered him, you have said so. And Pilate's looking at him, okay. And this is a term that people have really studied. They look at what does he mean when he says, You have said so? Basically, he is saying, Yes, but not the way you think it is. So Jesus is going to accept the term right here. Yes, I am the king, but not the kind of king that you should be worried about on earth. I'm the king, yes. Because God has called me, my Father has called me, and He's going to make me reign and rule over all of this area. I'm going to be the king of all the Jews. In fact, not just the Jews, but all of humanity, because I created them, and I'm here to redeem them. But He's going to answer, He's just simply going to say, yes, I will. But by saying this, do you realize what He is doing? Just like He did with the Sanhedrin. His obedience is, He answers the question that nails Him. He could have got out of this. In fact, we see Pilate here trying to give him all kinds of outs. But what does Jesus do? We go back to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus said, if there's any way I don't have to do this, Father, take it away from me. And he finally comes to that conclusion, not my will, but yours be done. And he says right here, this is an example. He says, yes, but. But by doing this, he basically gets himself in trouble and makes that claim stick to him. He is following the path to his own destruction because he is saying, I am going to be obedient to what God has called me to do. Uh, There is no legal right for them to do this. This is a sham of a trial. He's never said he was going to take over the country. He had no claim to rise up an army. In fact, every time they tried to get an army to go behind him, he said, stop it. Somebody pulled out a sword when he was arrested. He said, put the swords away. This guy is not a violent guy. And they're going to get him for being a violent insurrectionist. And he is going to let them do it because he is going to be obedient to God. So then the priests don't like the answer they get, so they come up with more accusations and many things, it says in verse 3. And then Pilate is going to ask him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? We don't know what charges they come up with. Mark doesn't give us that piece of information, but he is just saying they, they're coming up with everything. They're throwing everything against the wall, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and, and he, he probably did this, and they're making stuff up. In fact, we see in the other Gospels that there are actual lies that they make up about him, but he is just saying, and he never answers any of those lies because he doesn't feel like he needs to. But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. There are many accusations that are made, but Jesus does not take the route that would save him. He could have answered all of these charges. Okay, have you ever debated with somebody that's smarter than you and it's kind of hard? Debate with Jesus for a while. Jesus is God. Some people have a God complex Jesus is God. Do you think he could have just destroyed them in a debate? He could have disproven. He could have said, I could have brought in witnesses. I could have done this. Everything you're saying is ridiculous. I've never said I was going to be the king. And Pilate would have sat there and said, get this guy out of here. But what did Jesus do? This is the part we need to see here. Jesus was obedient to God, where God said, you're going to die you're going to die on a cross, and you have to let them do this to you. So he does not respond. And Pilate is looking at him going, Wow. I'm amazed at this guy. If people, I mean, I have trouble with when people lie about me. And I think our, all our human reaction is, when people start throwing lies at us and throwing claims against us, you did this, you did that, you did that. I did not, it did not, here's my proof, here's my proof. Jesus says, I am willing to go to the cross because this is the only way I'm going to get there. I'm willing to give you the ammunition. Even though you guys are so incompetent what you're doing, this is a sham of a trial. I'm going to give you enough ammunition so you can take me there. Enough evidence so you can take me to the cross. See, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, talks about this incident. It says, now, this is how it applies to us. It says, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, though though he was in the form of God, did not account, count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here's what, here's what Paul is saying. Look at this incident of Jesus. Jesus emptied himself. He obeyed God. And by obeying God, it brought him to the cross. If God wants to take you through a so difficult time, follow him, he says, because Jesus did the same thing. If God has something in your life that he wants you to get rid of, realize that Jesus knows what it's like to be obedient to the Father, even though he doesn't, it's going to be hard and he's going to take him through it. And he says, we need to be obedient in the same way to God the Father. We, he says, Have this mind among yourselves. Be just like Jesus was right here. Follow God's plan. Now, does that always mean that we should just let any accusation go? No. But when God tells us to do something, He says, I want you to go and do this crazy thing. I want you to go be a missionary in a Muslim country. Okay? That's kind of a crazy thing. We know that. But God says, go and do it. That means He's going to take you through it. When God says, go and talk to that person who you think to yourself, no way, Mm-mm. that person's crazy. And God says, go and do it. I'm going to take you through it. If it's my will, just like I did, just like Jesus did on the cross, you need to be obedient. And what's interesting about the reaction of Pilate, he sees such, he sees something in Jesus. He sees how he is different than these religious leaders. And you know what Pilate does for the rest of this story? He's trying to find ways to get him out of this. He says, I'm so impressed with this guy, the way that he sticks, the way he's not blowing his mouth off like these other guys. And Pilate is not a good guy. Okay, I, I, I hope I enforce that. Pilate's not a good guy. Mixing blood and sacrifices, not a good guy. But he's impressed with Jesus. And you know what? The world is looking for somebody to stand up for something they believe in. The world is looking for somebody to stay true to what they're called to do. Not only that, Jesus is the true king. It says, now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. Verse 7 says, and among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. Now again, they'll throw people out in the Bible. This is the first time we hear of Barabbas. But everybody again that was reading this probably said, not Barabbas. We've heard of him. In fact, his name, which is talked about in one of the other Gospels, is Jesus Barabbas. He is another person that came to try to, as an insurrectionist. He is the guy that they're claiming Jesus is. He is, it says, he was a murderer in an insurrection, probably took on some Roman troops, probably did whatever. He is the guy that they're claiming Jesus is. So he is what the Jews have been looking for, what the Messianic people at this time were looking for. They were looking for somebody to take up the sword and take on the Romans, and here they are, they have Barabbas. But what's interesting about this is this is not who the priests really wa- really like, but they'll take anybody over Jesus. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do what he usually did for them. And they were The trials were public, and so there's a crowd around here. And the priests are thinking to themselves, we've got Jesus right where we want them because there must have been something that had just happened because these guys are sitting in prison waiting to die, and the, and the priests bring Jesus up thinking he's gonna, we can have him killed with these guys. Now Pilate says, I, maybe I can get Jesus out of this. I'll ask the question to them. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? So he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest wanted to deliver him up, it says in verse 10. He perceived, see, Pilate sitting to himself, okay, this Barabbas guy is nasty. I mean, he's a murderer, an insurrectionist, and you know who doesn't like insurrectionists? The priests. Because the priests, what are they always afraid of? That somebody's going to take their position. Barabbas is actually a bigger enemy of the priest than Jesus is. So Pilate is trying to play games with them. He's trying to say to them, okay, you guys, you guys are trying to get this Jesus guy. Get this. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this Barabbas guy and put him up instead. And I know how much you love the guys that are insurrectionists. And I know how this is going to be bad for you. Do you want me to release this person? But what do the chief priests do? They stir up the crowd to have him release Barabbas instead. You see, the crowd was probably excited about Barabbas. It could have been his friends around there. In fact, we think that the two men that are are crucified on the cross next to Jesus are friends of Barabbas because it says there were many that were in prison for this insurrection. So they were going to kill a bunch of people anyways. They said that Barabbas was probably the leader. They put him up. So Pilate thought that Jesus is less of a threat. The Jews aren't stupid. They'll take him they'll take Jesus over this guy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him released with them Barabbas instead. You know what's interesting about Barabbas being taken and, and released and, the, and this whole concept of being a true king is these leaders, by their decision to have Barabbas instead of Jesus, basically wrote their own death sentence. Because you know what the insurrectionists are going to do within 30 years? They're going to rile up all of Israel. And the Romans are going to come in and they're going to destroy the temple. They're going to destroy everything by leaders such as Barabbas. But they would rather have Barabbas, they would rather have this insurrectionist than follow Jesus. They would rather have their own way that they think in their own wisdom that they can follow instead of following Jesus. So then Pilate says to them again in verse 12, then what am I to do with this man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out, crucify him. Jesus, now Pilate looks at him and says, what do you want with this guy? You call him the king of the Jews. I didn't call him the king of the Jews. What do you want to do with him? Now crucify him. Now it's interesting, Jews don't crucify people. Jews never call for crucifixion. They think of it as barbaric. That's not what they do. Jews think of that as a Roman thing for Roman. But they are so mad at Jesus and they get the crowd so riled up that they want him to suffer a Roman death that was only kept for rebels. That is not something that they would ever want. In fact, it's something that, that it just shocks people if you read this and said, why do the Jews want crucifixion? So let's look at the leaders at this time. Let's look at the leaders we just talked about. Who is the true king right here? Well, Barabbas wants to be the head of an insurrection. Barabbas wants to be the man. He wants to take up the sword and fight, and he wants to, be in control he wants to be an insurrectionist he wants to take out the roman government barabbas is about himself the priests think that they can protect themselves they'll lie okay just for a record i thought that the the ten commandments that they follow so closely doesn't talk about lying just wanted to check again but they'll lie they'll break their own commandments they'll do anything they possibly can to get jesus they're out for themselves they don't care about the people that are out there In fact, Barabbas maybe. who knows what happens to Barabbas after this. He could have killed a bunch more people. They don't care about those lives that are lost as long as they get rid of Jesus and don't have to listen to him and have to be offended. How about the crowd? The crowd, they're great people. They're swayed. Yeah, say Barabbas, we'll like him. Okay, we like Barabbas, we want him. These are not great people. These are not people to look up to as true leaders. How about Pilate? Now, Pilate... You can say, well, he, he kind of figured out that Jesus wasn't bad. But Pilate, if you look at verse 15, it says, So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. If there's one thing in life that should never be said about you is, will, is wanting to appease the crowd or satisfy the crowd, that is not a good way to live. Walking around in life going, Wherever I'm at, I might as well do what everybody wants me to do. Your mother probably told you, if all your friends jump off a cliff, will you jump off a cliff too? You've probably heard these things before, but all my friends are doing it. Your friends do stupid things. I just wanted to relate to you as somebody now that looks back. And it's not the same. I mean, I'm over 50 now, and friend, my friends still do stupid things. Okay, just for the record. To be described as wanting to appease or wanting to satisfy the crowd is not a good leader. If Pilate was truly the king here, truly the one we were supposed to look up to, he would have said no to the crowd. You know the only person who looks like a king here is Jesus. Because first of all, he stays true to his beliefs. He's not trying to appease anybody. He's not trying to satisfy a crowd. In fact, he's going against the will of the crowd. But you know what he's doing it for? He's doing it for that crowd. He is showing that I am truly the king that you need. I am truly the king that is somebody that you can follow. I will follow the will of God. He is an example of what the King David in the Old Testament, man after God's own heart, he is truly showing what a true king is all about. And he's the only one that shows himself up to be a true king right here. So in these mocking words of the king of the Jews, king of the Jews, he shows the people what a true king will do for his people. Lastly, Jesus is the king who sacri- sacrifices himself for others. And Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. See, they don't even even care at this point. We don't care if he did anything wrong. We just want him gone. Miscarriage of justice. They don't care. They just want him dead. Even Pilate's not convinced he's guilty. But Pilate, again, wants to satisfy the crowd. They released Barabbas to them. And then they took Jesus and they scourged him. He delivered him to be crucified. Now if we've studied, many of you have seen the, the Passion of the Christ of course and they take that to an extreme level <laughs> in that movie. But the concept of a scourge is basically a piece of leather sometimes with pieces of stone and metal in it, where they would whip you with it over and over again and many times the prisoners would die from this because it's such an extreme thing. It just basically rips their flesh completely apart. And he handed him over to, do th- to have this happen to him. And Now, when we look at this, I I just studied this this week. These weren't even true Roman legions at this time. These are Samaritans and other people that they called up from the auxiliary. These are people that would hate the Jews. And they're just saying, you're the king of the Jews. All our anger can go against you. And Jesus doesn't do anything to stop them. Again, Jesus at any time in this process could have said, enough, how about some angels right now? How about I just cause you to shrivel up like I did that fig tree? How about that whip's going to stop in place? How about you guys are all just going to fall over right now? This is who Jesus is. But he allows himself to go through this because he is looking out for other people. He is willing to sacrifice himself for others. He must have looked ridiculous. Can you imagine them saying, here's Jesus? He's probably still got the spit in his beard, and his hair from the fact when the Jews beat him. And then, remember, they beat him and spit on him. And now he's been scourged and beaten again and spit on again. And they're mocking him. They take a crown of thorns and they put it on his head. They put a purple cloak on him, and they mock him, and they mock him, and they mock him and call him king of the Jews. But he did all of this for the sake of others. You see, Barabbas deserved to die on the cross. Barabbas deserved to be up there because he was a murderer and an insurrectionist. These pe- the Jews, for their sin of lying with no forgiveness, deserved to die on that cross. These people that were beating him deserved to die on the cross. So right away, Jesus fulfills his purpose by dying on the cross for people that should have themselves died on the cross. And what's interesting about this, is Mark ten thirty four? Jesus said earlier exactly what was going to happen. He says, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. So Jesus predicted this whole event and he walked right into it. Why? Because he cares about people that don't deserve to be cared for. He cares about Barabbas. He cares about these people that are mocking him. Some of his last words are, Father, forgive them. He's he's not even, he's not going to go after the high priest. He's not going to go after these people. He is going to say, I am here to die for you. So Jesus, in this one event, shows the kind of person he is, shows the kind of, of, of king that he is, one that will die for the sake of others and take their sins on the cross. Why don't you stand with me today? Our prayer ministers could come forward. If you're here today, Jesus died for every single one of us. We talk about Barabbas. We talk about the people that beat him. We talk about the people that scourged him, that spit on him. Basically, in our sin, the Bible says that we are enemies of God. Then Christ died for us while we were yet sinners which means an enemy of God we are no better than these people that beat Jesus and crucified him on the cross we have the same sin on us and what does Jesus say I will gladly go to the cross for you I am the true king that will be obedient for you I am the true king that will show you what it means to care about people and I am the true king that will sacrifice my life for people so if you're here today Jesus openly sacrificed himself for you We all are guilty of death. We're all guilty of sin, which leads to death. Every one of us here. The only difference that we have is if we accept Jesus Christ, he takes our sin, he took it to the cross, and he took the punishment for us. So not one of us here has to accept our punishment. Barabbas deserved to be on that cross. Jesus says, I'll take it instead. Every one of us here has to think in our head, you know what, you don't know how bad I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've treated people. You don't know that God says, I took it on the cross for you. So if you're here and you need to make that commitment, come and talk to one of our prayer ministers. You can have your sins forgiven. You can be restored by the fact that Christ is the true king. And when he, when he becomes the true king, he becomes the true king of your life because he is the one who can draw you and show you what it means to be a true follower of God. But for everybody else who's here, I just want to call you to follow after the true king. It's very clear in our lives that we are going to serve somebody. We are made, God made us in his image, and one of the things that we do is we serve. Pilate, the crowd, Barabbas, okay? All of those people, the high priests, you know what they served? Self. They served the desires of this world. They were swayed by the crowd. That's what we are without Jesus. And what I'm calling us to today is to say, Jesus, you are our true king. You are the king over everything. And we need to accept the fact that you are over everything. But when we accept you as the king, what's so important about Jesus being the king is that he loves us. He cares for us. He looks out for us. He shows us how to be obedient to the cross. He shows us, he gives us the way to live because he is the true king that's worth following. Not the crowd, not our own selfish desires, but the true king, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you. Lord, I just want to thank you today. I thank you, God, as we read this travesty of justice that we just read. God, that you... Jesus, you, you could have walked away at any time. You could have walked out of here and just said, I'm not doing it. But Jesus, you took our sin. You knew that it was necessary to be obedient to your Father. You knew that it was necessary to lay down your life for us. And God, I just thank you today that you did that. For not one of us here could, would be here, God, would be saved, would be sanctified, would be changed if you hadn't been obedient, God, to the cross. And Lord, let us now accept the sacrifice that you made for us, God, and give up our sins to you, but also, God, to follow you as the true king. For, Lord, you are the king, not just the king of the Jews, not just the king of Israel, but the king of all. The Bible says you are highly exalted, lifted up among, among, over all the powers of this world, over all the powers of the air, God. You are highly exalted. And Lord, let us follow after you because you have the true right path for us and you're the one who cares for us enough to die for us. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen.